We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Friday, the best day of the week. Yes, sir, it's the Friday free-for-all mailbag, and we got a special surprise for everyone out there. Sean Styers is in the house with us today. What's up, Sean? How you doing? Doing good? Yeah, man. Of course. (laughs) Explain to the people why it's important for them to know who Sean is. (laughs) It's important for the people to know who Sean is because Sean is the host of the IB Nation sports talk show that is on Monday through Thursday at 6 o'clock. And it goes till, I don't know, 7, 7.15. Depends on the topic, frankly. Uh, but Very make true. sure you tune in for that. Make sure you tune in for that. Sean's we got went for a long block. time on Tuesday this week. Yes, we did. Of course, Vince is on a couple days a week with me, and we went for a long time Tuesday. And here's what I found out, you know, with my internet capabilities that I have. It takes a lot longer just for like 20, for like 30 more minutes of a show. It takes a lot longer to <laughs> upload that sucker. When it's all said and done, but we had a lot of good, we had a lot of good stuff in there. Yes, show. and there will be more stuff coming. Definitely, right. no question about that. And then, of course, I'm always joined by that guy right there. That's Brian Driscoll. He's a publisher at IrishBreakdown.com. Now I'm just that guy. Sean that joins guy. the show, and I'm just that guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. That guy over there. I forget his name. Oh, what is it? Uh, Brian. Uh, That's wait, it. I knew it. I, I knew I, it. Why do I know your name? Oh, because you yeah. signed my paycheck. So yeah, uh-huh. so you're yes. very. You're, I didn't go there. Yes, you're a pretty important guy. So <laughs> I didn't go there. I've just seen that. People, I didn't go there. I've seen that signature someplace before. All right, uh, but anyway, it is a Friday free for all mailbag, which means you the viewer slash listener drive the show. We've already got a bunch of great questions queued up and we're going to start with a super chat from our guy, Kevin Carter. Thank you so much for the super chat, Kevin. You got something, Brian? Before we... Well, I, we kind of said we were going to start with a little something else. Another topic that everybody wants to hear about. Oh, I thought you said, I, I misunderstood you. I yeah. thought we were going to start with the super chat. No, Hit it. we're going to start. Go with, ahead. Yeah. I mean, why don't you go ahead and intro what we're going to talk about? Well, I believe we're going yeah. to talk about Dante Moore and the fact that he committed to Oregon. I believe he committed at this point. It was supposed to be at noon. Um, I personally didn't see it happen because I was busy shoe shopping and having a great time. <laughs> it's clearly more important than listening. Much to Dante better things commit. to do. Yes. But um, but yeah, so let's 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 get this out of the way. I'm sure there's going to be questions about Dante in the chat. 
Uh, so, Brian, I will kick it to you to kind of go where we need to go with this topic. Well, I mean, there's obviously a lot that that I'm not going to be able to say in this forum. Uh, people will be able to read about on the message board once it's back up and running. So once Dante committed, everyone ran to the board, uh, <laughs> slowed it down, and then it crashed. And now everyone keeps hitting refresh. And, and it just is making because, it yeah. uh, even worse. So we're flooded fix, the trying engine. to fix it. <laughs> and uh, we'll get it corrected. But uh, I had Vince, you read it. I sent it to you it just to kind of proof it beforehand. Just a long explanation of of kind of what happened. And I will give a condensed version here because some of the stuff obviously needs to remain behind the paywall as, as best as possible until people grab it and try to pass it off as their own information. So essentially, one thing we'll say now is Dante Moore committed to Notre Dame in February. That is the reason, part a big part of the reason that we were so confident for so long is that he yep. did commit to Notre Dame. And at the time, the original plan is he was going to go public in April. Uh, to throw a little extra salt in the wound, it was Notre Dame's idea to do it on ESPN uh, in those conversations with him. So he decided then, it, it kind of March went by, and we were very confident, and he decided he wasn't going to do it. He wasn't going to go public in April. And the process kind of dragged on, and you know Dante kept telling Notre Dame from various sources we've talked to, that he was going to go to Notre Dame and that's where he wanted to be. But, you know, he wanted to do the visit thing and do all that kind of stuff. I believe he was being encouraged to do so, let, you know, to carry that process out. And as it kind of went further and further and further, Notre Dame kept trying harder and harder and harder to get him, you know, back on campus for more visits and, you know, be around other, you know, recruits and commits. And, and at that time, you know, back in March, CJ Carr wanted to commit. They kind of, um, you know, tried to hold off on that as long as possible because they wanted to give Dante the opportunity to be the guy that went public first. And he wouldn't do it. And there came a point in time where Notre Dame said, look, you said you want to be here. You were going to commit then, and you pushed it back. And you said you are going to visit then, you changed it. We tried to get you on campus for the spring game. You went to LSU instead. We tried to get you on campus for June 17th. You went to Texas A&M instead. And we're begging you to get back on campus. We're begging you to beat these events to help recruit the class, all these other kind of things. And every single time, you go somewhere else. And, you know, I think it came to a point in time where Notre Dame felt they had, especially when C.J. Carr chomping at the bit to, you know, to make his decision, that Notre Dame had to kind of draw a line in the sand and say, do you, do you want to be a part of this or not? And that's when you started to hear more and more and more about Dante wanting to take it into the fall and things along those lines. And eventually Notre Dame kind of had to say, look, you know, we, we've done everything we can. There's a lot of other concerns that I believe that they had. That's the stuff that will be on the message board. There's a lot more to why Notre Dame yes. got to that ultimatum aspect. But uh, that's kind of where it was. And 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 it's, 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 it's interesting that when Notre Dame finally bows out, Dante's like, oh, I'll decide now. Yeah, you know? now, now I can do a summer uh, commitment. Yeah, yeah, and there's uh, I have some thoughts on that that I put in the message board yeah. uh, post as well. But as I said right now, that is that is unfortunately down. So people will be able to get that here pretty soon. But uh, moral of the story is Notre Dame has decided to move on. Um, there are other quarterbacks on the board. Talking to sources, we put this. If you are a message board member, you did see this yesterday, but we put this on the board. Uh, there's three kids at the beginning that I think Notre Dame is going to push for. We'll see kind of how they go. They're the three kids that they really like. Uh, obviously, uh, Austin Novosad, who's a quarterback from Texas, who is committed to Baylor, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Texas A&M are all working hard on him, especially Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, Notre Dame is also, I believe, uh, 
interested in Brock Glenn, who's a, a quarterback who's looking at Auburn and Florida State and some others. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame also got involved with a kid named Kenny Minchie, who's from Tennessee, goes to the same high school as Golden Tate, uh, who is currently committed to Pitt. So I think those are three guys that you might that you might see Notre Dame make a run at here. Now, when the dust settles and all this stuff kind of clears and you know, we'll get deeper into July and the, and the staff kind of shakes out who they like and who's a fit and who has the grades and all that because they were in the all-in all on Dante train for a while. And so there's a lot of background stuff that they have to do on some of these other guys. But I think now people understand why Notre Dame was all-in on him because he committed he, in he was committed. He was, he was actively I mean, recruiting for Notre Dame for a long yeah, time. Yeah, right. You know, this wasn't just some silent commit and, and that's it. He was actively recruiting for Notre Dame. I've talked to recruits that are going to other schools that would say Dante was – going to Notre Dame and recruiting for Notre Dame up until, you know, May, even schools he would visit would come back. And my sources there would say, yeah, he's going to Notre Dame. And that's just the vibe he was giving everybody. And then something changed, uh, you know, that, that, uh, you know, as I said, I've discussed further on the board, but something changed and Notre Dame realized that, you know, this is a, this is a risk that I'm not sure we can afford to take, you know, and, they decided to to move on and they have a five-star quarterback committed. And at the end of the day, here's what it boils down to. They had two five-star quarterbacks that wanted to commit. One was all about it, ready to jump on board, had to be held back and wanted to go public, wanted to recruit, wanted to drive here for every single recruiting weekend possible. And the other kid didn't. And the other kid didn't want to go public. The other kid wanted to keep taking visits and take the process on and all those kind of things. And, end of the day, Notre Dame decided we want the kid that's on board. We want the kid yeah. that's going to be here, that really and, wants to be here. And they here. gave him every opportunity him to every be, opportunity. and I'm using your words from your article, the face of the recruiting program. Like yes. They gave him every opportunity to be that guy because he was a year, a class ahead of C.J. Carr, and they tried, they tried, they tried. Right. He didn't want it. I mean, he, right. he didn't want it. Well, he, he did. He wanted to have it to where it was, it was <clears throat> private and, you know, it was behind the scenes and all right. that other kind of stuff. And and I think Notre Dame was willing to go along with that for a long time, a long time. And eventually got to the point where it's like, look, this, you know, it, it's it's time to it's time to say, hey, do you really want to be here or not? Yeah, right. Get your cut bait. Yeah. yeah. And you can keep telling us behind the scenes that you're committed, but if you're not willing to go public, then what does that really say about how you exactly. feel about us? Completely and agree. I think that's what it boils down to. And there were some things I think working against Notre Dame that weren't going to change. And I think that part factored into it as well. So that's that's the Dante Moore stuff. We're going to focus on other non-Dante Moore related questions. We can talk about quarterback <laughs> recruiting in general, and we can talk yes. about things like that. But as far as kind of what happened with Dante, you can ask questions about Dante about you know his skill set or whatever else. But as far as like what happened and all that other kind of stuff, I mean that that's that's kind of where we are for now. Yep. So we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, so let's move on to the other questions that we have. Again, Kevin Carter, thank you for the super chat. Really appreciate it. He says, I'm anti-conference and Ohio State, but if they <laughs> believe there is no other option, what are your thoughts on going after the heart and trying to get Ohio State, then flip Texas and Oklahoma to start and build from there? Suck it, Big Ten. <laughs> Glasses emoji, you know, out in the sun guy. Yes. That would be great. That would like, be- if they could kind of start some like legends conference, but the reality <laughs> is kidding. That's just not practical. I mean, if you if you think it's going to be expensive to get out of your ACC contract, imagine how hard how how challenging it would be to get out of a Big Ten contract. The only thing that I would say is is you know the the Big Ten contract. I I, I believe I'd have to find out when Ohio State's contract runs out. You know what I mean? Because like everybody signs a deal. That's why USC and UCLA are able to get out of Pac twelve because their contract was running up. Same thing with Oklahoma and Texas. But mm-hmm. I mean that'd be fun and that'd be something I would wish they would. Uh, you know, it'd be a cool feature when they come out with EA Sports college football next year is to kind of have a realignment feature. Yeah, you know, where like you can tra- you can like trade conferences and make your own conferences like that'd be a lot of fun right like a might as well fun. because what the people, real world is right now exactly. anyway, right? <laughs> people are gonna have exactly. to adjust on the fly anyway yeah, exactly exactly you remember back in the day when you played at the end like you know you've been offered a job by so and so yeah you play like the dynasty mode like now it'd be like hey the big 10 is offering you to join their conference <laughs> or you know whenever do you want to join or not you know i think that'd I be dynasty kind of a mode. fun thing to do but uh Loved it. it, it, it I'd, I'd love for Notre Dame to start their own conference, Sean. And I, I'd kind of want your thoughts on this, but I, I, I don't. It's not going to be like Texas and Oklahoma and right. those teams, especially that just now signed contracts. It would have to go in a different direction. Yeah, and I completely agree. And you know, Vince and I kind of touched on it this week. Jesse and I touched on it a little bit on Ivy Nation Sports Talk, and I completely agree with you know that that there is you know it's it's kind of. Um, I don't necessarily think it's completely dream world to think that Notre Dame could form its own conference. But like when you're talking about these schools specifically, especially Ohio State, Texas and Oklahoma, right. you know, you, you talk about their conference, you know, their their contracts with the conferences that they're either in or are going to, you know, beyond that, they're all the, each of those three schools because of those two conferences they're in, the Big 10 and the SEC are each going to be getting around 100 million dollars plus per year to be in those conferences from, from the TV revenue. So, you know, if you're Notre Dame and, and, you know, those are the schools that you want, you know, it's like, it'd be great if you can do it, but to get those schools specifically, you're going to have to have more than a hundred million dollars per school as a starter. So, you know, it's one thing for Notre Dame to have its own uh, TV network, but it's another thing to, you know, to be able to come up with that kind of money, you know, to be able to satisfy those schools, to get them to leave the, the, you know, the, the, the great, 
conditions that they're in already. A big reason for that too, Sean, is is that Notre Dame is working in a different universe in those schools. Yeah, exactly. in regards to how important the TV money is to meeting their budgetary demands. Right, and and that's the thing is Notre Dame doesn't live in this world of two hundred, two hundred fifty million dollar operating budgets for their athletics program right. because yep. they actually live within their means, and so uh, I think that adds to it as well. It's not that these teams just want the eighty to one hundred million dollars being offered by the Big Ten; they need it. They need it to survive as an athletics program. Like UCLA's AD flat out admitted it. And this is a, it, it was always true and it was always going to come to fruition. In my opinion, COVID sped that process oh, up absolutely. for a lot of schools. Yeah, absolutely. Sped it up for everybody, yeah. Because of all the lost revenue that they yes. had. Yep. Well, I mean, think about Ohio State and the fact that their enrollment is over like 60,000 students at this, you know what I'm saying? I said this yesterday. That's that's like a small, you know, that's a couple small towns, yeah. of, you know, 60,000 plus, and Notre Dame has a fraction of that. They've got, what, a little over 10,000 in, in undergraduates. That, that yeah. Yeah. Well, they're under 10 in undergrads. Yeah, they it's like 8 right. and like and 11 half. until you add the yeah. graduate program into it. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's just a big difference in how Notre Dame needs to operate and what they require versus schools like Ohio State right. and some of these other massive state schools and the way they're doing things. And the other thing too is is Notre Dame, every time Notre Dame has a big building project, they 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 fund it before they build it. Like they go right. out and raise the revenue for it. It doesn't come out of the other thing. So they just operate in a completely different yes. universe the way they go about and it. And it's so frustrating to, right. at points i will say that it is frustrating right. at times right yeah. that they have to have the money in hand before they start a project and all these different things that's right. but it's smart it's, it's not frustrating for me because i understand what it means because it, because you understand the sacrifices they would have to then make right because they'd have to then go chasing the the tv money more keeps uh yeah. keeps all those guys in development employed over there yes, right yes it does, it does. <laughs> yes, I, there's I, a lot of I know a, a few of, of those guys, and they yep. they are frustrated at times, but they are employed. Well, they better not be frustrated because if they just started just you know going out and getting max TV deals, then what do we need you for? Yeah, right. Or what do we need at least the size of yeah. this department? Pretty for? sure they don't think of it that way. But yeah, well, they need to. They need to. Yeah, right. It's like all the it's all the people that like were anti football. I'm like, you guys realize the reason you make what you make at the University of Notre Dame oh, is in large part because of the the fame that's brought by the football program, and it, and and that doesn't mean oh the TV money. It means Notre Dame's football program made the University of Notre Dame a national institution. Correct. And a worldwide institution in a lot of different ways. It was the football program that began that. Otherwise, they'd be like, I mean, there's some elite academic schools in the Chicago area, Mm -hmm. right? But most of the people don't know who the heck they are. Right. Because they don't have this giant, you know, famous football program. Absolutely. And, you know, that's that's the reality. And they've used it to their advantage. Absolutely. For the actual school itself, they've used football right. to their advantage. As they no, should. Absolutely, they should. Right. They've done a really good job of it. From a selfish standpoint, you talk about living within their means and all that. I wish they would live outside their means when it comes to paying some coaches from some other sports so that you could get really, you know. Well, but again, it's it's, you know. Why should we pay a coach X amount of dollars when that program doesn't generate X amount no, of dollars? I, totally. You know what I mean? and that's, like, I that's it. where I don't like it, but I get right. it. Right. And that and that's where some schools live outside their means is they're paying right. more into the program than they're getting out of it. Yeah, right. I totally get that. It's right from a fiscal standpoint, I totally understand. I live that world. <laughs> Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Five kids forces you to do that. All right, moving forward. <laughs> Rob Osgood with the super chat. Uh, no comment. I didn't know if there was one near him or not, but thank he's just you. being nice. Rob, you're just showing his support. Rob, 
Thank you, Rob. Appreciate Great guy. That. We've got uh, a question here from Different Isle. Great name. Guys, what kind of personality do you think meshes best with Harry Heastand? I've been keeping an eye on Pancake Ancho and truly feel like it would have been a bad combo if he came to Notre Dame. I, the Pancake Honcho is uh, Samson Okalola, for those okay. who aren't sure who that is. Sure. He's very much a social media figure compared to foreign linemen. Right. right. I mean, for a lineman, he, you know, he's not like a quarterback, but so I think there's people to think that I don't think that would bother Harry Heastand as all, as long as you are, here's the personality that Harry Heastand wants. Are you coachable? Mm-hmm. Are you a hard worker? Do you have some intestinal fortitude and are you strong-minded? Right. If a kid liked being on social media, like if, if Quentin Nelson would had the personality at Notre Dame that he has now in the NFL, do you think Harry Heastand would have been, enjoyed coaching him and do you think it would have worked well yeah it would have because sean you remember when quentin was a freshman and and redshirt freshman and we're trying to interview him and i mean he would like i mean he was incredibly uncomfortable and nervous right didn't like talking to the media and and was was out of his element now you look at him and he's a completely different person but, but I mean, that didn't is, even is that changed. didn't even change much by the you know no. by the end of his career no. at Notre Dame. It really right. took him getting, you know, outside. I, and I and I think that it you know maybe it helps where the structure is different in the NFL the way they run meet. You know, having like I went to Colts training camp a few years ago and got to kind of experience that. It's 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 a little bit different down there. I don't think they're completely being coached up about what to say all the time either. But you're absolutely right. You know, just just about, you know, he he did, you know, because even, you know, there was a few years ago when I was doing interviews for uh, the radio post game show. And here comes Quentin Nelson out on the field and they kind of had it's like they shuttled these guys out on the field and and they were supposed to be bringing him out to me. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, he's like going back up the tunnel. I'm like, Quentin, you know, over here, you know, radio interview. And he kind of gives me the, the side eye and he's up the tunnel. You know, it's like he didn't want anything more than than he was absolutely told what to do, you know, as far as right. it went with, with doing media type stuff. But you you talk to people around Indianapolis now, his work ethic hasn't changed, his coachability oh, hasn't changed. None of that's changed. It's just he's kind of come out of a shell. So I think it's what's inside the kid that they care more about than his his – external personality you know you yeah. can have guys who are quiet and reserved like quentin us uh, who aren't coachable who are who don't take hard coaching who aren't hard workers who aren't all those things and you're going to have some guys that are flamboyant and, and and outgoing that are also very hard workers and you know very coachable and all those kind of things so that's really more of what they care about i i don't i think we need to be careful not to to see like well harry heeson only likes guys with no personality that just want to come here and work every day i I don't, I don't think that's necessary. I mean, you know, look at Elijah Page and his big old hair. I mean, did you see the Sullivan Absher, Sam Pendleton photo shoot that they took there in their visit with like their shirts off and stuff like that? Like those kids have some personality. It's just, they may not be social media personalities. Right. Well, and, and like Zach Martin, Mike McGlinchey, you know, the, 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 those were both guys in that he stand era, you know, the previous he stand era as well. And they're not necessarily, you know, like Zach Martin would sit, and talk with you, you know, he had no problem sitting and talking and, and, you know, giving you his, his real thoughts on a lot of things. But at the end of the day, Zach Martin was really good at what he did and he took the coaching well. And, you know, he's, he's essentially a technician of an offensive lineman on the field and Mike McGlinchey, you know, a little bit more thoughtful maybe. And he kind of blossomed as he was here 
as well. But again, he wasn't, you know, kind of, you know, in that sort of cocoon, I guess, you know, right. keeping his personality in like Quentin Nelson. So they're, you know, they're all varying degrees of it. But I think at the end of the day, all three of those guys wanted to be great. And that was, you know, part of. And Notre Dame had to kind of tone Liam Eikenberg down. Yeah. Right. Like, because remember his first interview experience, like we're just going to go there, beat their ass and get back on the bus and go home. And they're like, oh, (laughs) you know, we didn't see Liam the rest of the year. You know what what I'm saying? In the interview room, Uh, you know, but, but, you know, but again, same, wanted to work, wanted to be great, all that kind of stuff. So I think those are the, those are the personality traits that Harry Heastan look like, how those are expressed publicly. I don't think he cares much about. Yeah. in my opinion. And and I think we're going to find that out this year because, I mean, Blake Fisher is very much an outgoing personality. And from everything I've heard, Blake has taken extremely well to coach Heastan, and he loves pushing that kid because he thinks he can be great. That's it. Sean nailed it. If you want to be great and you're willing to allow me to push you to be great, you'll fit in here. I don't care what your personality is like. And that's the key at the end of the day. Vince, we have a little bit of an announcement. The, yep. uh, the, the board is, is running slow, uh, but it is not – it is up – uh, but don't everybody, I guess maybe don't everybody run there at once, but <laughs> you can find the, the Dante Moore Intel piece. It, it is up on the board now. So uh, just be a little bit patient. We do have it back up, but it is, we're still trying to work on getting the speed back up. So I, I pre I apologize and, and uh, ask for everyone's patience and forgiveness. Uh, but just we'll good get intel, Brian. Back and running. Yeah. Just good intel. Well, it was weird. Like as soon as he committed, I went to the Google analytics and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> because like the board started slowing down i was like wait a minute what's going on like uh why is the board getting slow and then i realized like hundreds of people just all at once ran in the message board and i was like oh boy so uh we do apologize like we appreciate the fact that your first thought was to run to irish breakdown i do appreciate that and someday you know tomorrow's our one year anniversary of launching the message board so it's still ah, kind of a baby or it's still a work in progress already? but i promise you it'll be it'll be worth it. And as I've said, we are, we, you know, th- that's also part of the reason we haven't raised our rates and don't have no intention of raising our rates anytime soon. Part of it's for other reasons, but part of it is until we really get this board where I feel like it is where it needs to be and how it runs every day, you know, we're going to keep it where it is. But anyway, we have some super chats oh, here too. Vince. Oh. So we'll do what we normally do Vince, which is like, I'll bring up some super chats as we get them. And then you keep rocking and rolling with Love it. Over your head is all right, here we go. Zach Martin with, a super chat. Thank you very much, Zach. Speaking of Zach Martin. Yeah, I know, right? Perusing <laughs> the roster, is it fair to say it is talent, depth, and experience-wise best setup for a championship run in 22 and 24? 23 seems like a lot of rotation young guys will be the guys a year early. We got to get this transition year stuff out of our conversation yes. and out of our and out of our out of our vocabulary at Notre Dame, right? Like Clemson's last national title came when they had a true freshman at quarterback, a true a, a true freshman thousand yard receiver, a two a true sophomore thousand yard running back, and another true sophomore thousand yard receiver, right? Like we've got to get this. If you recruit big time players in this era of college football. Kids aren't staying for four and five years like they used to. Teams in general are just younger. These kids are exposed to so much more than they used to be because it's also about preparation. These kids are in seven-on-seven tournaments nonstop. They're playing football year-round now. I don't actually like that, but it's the reality of it. These kids are so much more prepared to play right away. Strength and conditioning has changed not just in NFL and college football, but in the high school level. Kids are far more prepared to play younger Mm-hmm. than they used to be and the game has changed so 
you know, you, you look at it and say, look, if you have talented players at a place like Notre Dame, you need to look at yourself as we're going to go out there and try to win all of our games. And and it's funny you say that, Zach, because there are some people say, no, 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 no. 22 is the transition year. Wait, wait till 23. And then you get to 23 and they would say exactly what Zach said. Well, we got a lot of young guys. Wait till 24. That, Vince, is what we call bk ptsd yes because it was always well wait till next year yeah wait, wait till, till next year, year. it's like yeah. i'm a cubs fan and i'm a i was a brian it. kelly you know i was a fan of it wasn't lovable it was like that's the yeah it's all like, oh, just wait till next year we're gonna be good this is a transition if you are a fan of notre dame and of what they're doing on the recruiting trail and marcus freeman and everything else and if you want to be a fan of a top level team there's no such thing as a transition year there shouldn't be right transition. I mean, okay, maybe this year we're, we're maybe ten and two, but look, you're going to have a dynamic quarterback. I mean, right. I mean, Sean, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I'm I'm dominating the time. I, I be, we haven't talked about this. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. This not that notion of twenty two is a transition year, or maybe twenty three is a transition year. What are your thoughts on this? No, I agree with what you're saying. You know, last year was supposed to be a transition year, and look at what it turned out to be. You know, they were one, you know, one loss away from being right back in the college football playoff. Once or one again, win with, for Georgia or Auburn away. Yeah, from exactly, me. exactly. You know, the the bottom line is they're going to be every year you go into a season in college football, you're going to have some questions. You know, one year, you know, last year you had big questions on the offensive line. I don't think there are many as question, you know, as many questions on the offensive line this year. It's always going to move around a little bit where you're going to have the questions, and you're exactly right. The recruiting. Where the recruiting is going right now, the expectation is, well, you're just going to write off his freshman year and now, you know, he's going to go into his sophomore year and now he's going to be ready to play. You're expecting when when you've got those stars next to your name and, you know, you can always talk about the stars, but when you've got those next to your name, the expectation is a good chunk of those guys are going to be able to come in and at least contribute right away so I, I completely agree with what you're saying I think you need to get rid of the notion of transition years and it's now you're reloading every year because again the level of recruits that you're bringing in there shouldn't be as much a drop-off now it's on the coaches to get those guys ready to go and, and get out there and and be on a team that's competing for championships every year couldn't have said it better myself our buddy John A1 dropping it like it's hot. If Bracey's confidence is fully restored, can he play on the outside slash field pending the matchup? Could his athleticism be the key to an improved secondary? Well, I think Tariq was pretty good last year. I mean, he he was a he was a very underratedly good player for Notre Dame last year. I mean, can you think of a time where he got beat that didn't involve a pick play? Where <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, against North Carolina. I thought he's pretty good. I, I just don't know if I see him at this point in time as being like an every down outside guy, partly because I think Notre Dame really likes what he brings to the slot. But he played outside last year too. This is the thing that we, we don't talk about. Claire, uh, Clarence Lewis wasn't the only cornerback that played a lot of snaps last year. Tariq played a lot of snaps too. But I, look, at the end of the day, the key to an improved secondary in, in today's era is you've got to have three really good safety corners. And if Tariq is really good, and he's there, and Cam's really good, which we expect him to be, against Ohio State, against Clemson, against USC, again in the postseason against Alabama, against Oklahoma, even with Jeff Levy there instead of Lincoln Riley. In all those big games, with the exception of Georgia, you got to have three corners. And that's where we're at now. So 
you know, Tariq stepping up is great, but I think Tariq was pretty decent last year. Yeah, it's going to still be about Clarence Lewis or someone beating out Clarence Lewis. Either yep. Clarence Lewis gets better or someone beats Clarence Lewis out and plays at a high level. That ultimately is going to be the key to this thing getting turned around. Agreed. John has another question. He says, Marcus Freeman as defensive coordinator was trying to make the scheme so his players could play fast but sound. Do you mm-hmm. suspect Al Golden will be successful in getting the linebackers to the next level of playing fast and sound? I'll say one one area where Mark where Al Golden has an advantage over Marcus Freeman from last year is he hit the pick of guys that he's going to have available to him automatically they're going to be faster and more sound. Yeah. I will say well, that. Sean Sean there's a lot more production returning this defense this year than there was last year. Yeah. Right. There's no question. Right. That's exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because now, you know, you're moving JD Bertrand over, you know, from Will to Mike, you know, the leading tackler a year ago. And you, you know, you're bringing Kaiser back. You're bringing, you, you've got Maris Leofow coming back. And that's that, you know, like when you're talking about fast and sound, that, you know, the, the possibility of having Leofow and Bertrand playing next to each other, just based on, what we saw from from Leofel before the injury last year that's that that excites me quite a bit you know as as a tandem it, it it's probably going to be one of the better inside linebacker combos we've seen here in in yeah. several years you know yeah and and Vince views Zach, uh, Jack Kaiser as being someone who's who's criminally underrated and the other thing we got to remember too is if you look at the names that Notre Dame lost losing Kyle Hamilton was a big loss from a name standpoint Kyle Hamilton only played half the year and he's being replaced with a guy who was a former All-American. So it's a little right. different when you lose a guy to the draft, but you already lost that guy and you showed that you could, you know, still go out and beat most of the teams on your schedule. So I think I think this defense is going to be very, very good. And I think the other thing, too, that John is Marcus Freeman, we didn't know it was going to be the case, but Marcus Freeman served as a bridge from Clark Lee to Al Golden. And what I mean by that is 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 Marcus Freeman brought in a completely different philosophy to defense than out than 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 um than Clark Lee and and how you coach it, the expectations, how you play. It led to a lot of big mistakes early in the year because there is a level of, I, I want to say kind of like, you know, the football version of personal responsibility, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where, you know, hey, this is your job, but I need you to go make a play. Where Clark Lee's thing was, I don't care about you making a play, do your job. I'll dictate who's going to make the play. If you're going to make a play, it's going to be within the framework of what we're going to do, mm-hmm. where Marcus Freeman gives players a little bit more freedom to, to, you know, within the system to go make plays. And and so that's partly why we saw some mistakes last year. But it's much more of a dynamic defense. It's a much more of a versatile defense where Clark Lee was very much like, hey, let's just kind of line up and, and you know, do these type of things. And part of the reason he hired Al Golden, Sean, was not to replicate – this is what I did. Here's my playbook. Run it. But it's because they come from the, Al Golden has a very similar view to how to play defensive football at a high level that Marcus Freeman had. And that's ultimately why he was hired, sure. which means yeah. Marcus Freeman served as the prep for what Al Golden's going to bring. Right. Yeah. There, there, there are a lot of similarities, but as we found out pretty early on, this isn't necessarily Al Golden running Marcus Freeman's defense, but there are enough similarities that it's not going to be the drastic change that you were talking about going from Lee to Freeman. Now, Freeman to Golden, there'll be some tweaks, but I think we're going to see kind of more a continuation right. of, of what we just saw. The, the tweaks will be schematic. 
Right. right. The philosophy will be the same. And ultimately, at the end of the day, Vince, you and I both know this. That's the key. It's like, you know, one coach may teach inside zone a little differently than another coach, but it's still inside zone. You're not right. changing to the view. Right. Exactly. Right. You know? Exactly. I mean, yeah. that's that's the reality. There'll be nuances like, you know, right. for step or, you know, however yeah. you want to coach it. That's fine. Might like, might like four down right. more than three down. He might like more zone coverage compared to man coverage. It's going to be the same philosophy. It's just going to have different right. emphases and different play calls. Yeah. And it's going to take on his personality where, you know, Marcus Freeman has his set of calls on third down. Al Golden's going to have his set of calls on third down it's going to come from the same philosophy. It's just going to right. you know, look different. And, sure. and that's that. The, so the, the point is the change from Freeman to golden is going to be not a much of a change. Whereas the change from Lee to Freeman was pretty seismic pretty drastic. on top yeah. of you lost a lot of really experienced players from last year's team and including losing guys that you were expecting to step into the starting lineup. You know, and that's that's another. I mean, you lost Dalen Hayes, you lost Adi Takumba Ogandiji, Maris Luafau gets hurt, Shane Simon gets hurt, who had started right. the year before. You lose a guy named Jeremiah Usukormo. I don't know if you guys have heard of him before. He played for Notre Dame for a player. Didn't he win uh, some sort of an yeah, award? Yeah, I mean, you lose you lose Nick McLeod. I mean, you you know, you lost some pretty good football players, some pretty veteran football players, and you're replacing with in a, in a lot of instances guys who had not played a lot of football before. Right. JD Bertrand hadn't played a lot of football before, right? Jack right. Kaiser hadn't played a lot a ton. He played in 2020, but not a ton. Uh, you know, you look at Ramon Henderson begins the year at corner, ends the yeah. year as a starting safety, right? Cam Hart was a receiver a year and a half before he steps into the starting lineup as your as your cornerback, right? And now all, all those guys are now back with a year under their belt, and you know, I think that's the thing that has a lot of a lot of people like me fired up is you were cha- you were changing your scheme and your philosophy completely around last year, and you were doing it with a bunch of new kids, and you went eleven and one. You know, who who was Isaiah? I mean, Isaiah Foskey had, what, five and a half career sacks coming into last year? Yeah. Right? And now right. he's coming in. You know, he had he had more forced fumbles last, last year coming into this year. He had six forced fumbles last year. That's more career sacks than he had his first two years at Notre Dame, right? So he's a much more proven player as well. And look at Justin Adamiola, who broke out last year, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a much better, in my opinion, situation for Notre Dame overall. Got a super chat here from Fed Exile. Fed Exile. <laughs> Fad Dead. I don't know. I I apologize. Fad Dead Exile. Did Notre Dame really turn down? I think that's Faded Exile. Faded Exile. There you go. <laughs> okay. See, I yeah. Public school education. Everybody. Whoa, 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 whoa! I did not have a public school education. I you're teaching public education. That's worse. I need capital letters. I need capital letters in space. I, Sean and I are looking all at Vince right. like, uh, what? Uh, I think, it's, you know what? This all stems back to the fact that you have no baseline of music knowledge. If you knew anything about music, you'd be able to read that. That's that's, that's just that, my that's that's my fair. thought on that. That's probably fair, actually. I, I, I've got the, the, the one guy who's edited, E-D-E-D. Uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. like in my head, yeah. and then I saw that, and it was so now you're looking for <laughs> different ways to – Exile. Exile. <laughs> is that French? <laughs> it's All a right. great prize. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back Thanks to Faded Exiles. Faded exile. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. Did Notre Dame really turn down Christopher Vizina wanting to commit because of Dante? No, that's false. Uh, Chris, they turned down Chris Vizina visiting. And there was thought he might commit. I never bought that. I, I never thought he was going to commit. I think Clemson was a much stronger player all along than a lot of people thought. Now, could Notre Dame have gotten Chris Fazina? Maybe. 
but no, they, 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 he was not going to come and commit. It was, he was going to come. They thought they had a chance at him, but remember Dante Himmore had just committed like yes. a week and a half before his visit, Chris Vizina's visit, right? So you're going to bring a kid on when Dante had just given you a, a, a silent commitment. That's and not a genuine thing. And at the time, Dante, from what I'm told by sources, had was talking to Notre Dame about going public in April. Yeah. Early April. So, yes, at the time, Notre Dame did pass on other quarterbacks because they had Dante and, in the fold. In Notre Dame's defense, if you have a commitment at a position where you're only taking one player, right, whether it's public or otherwise, it is disingenuous of Notre Dame to have this kid, another kid, come on campus and recruit him like he's the guy that you want. Right. That's a, that's, mm-hmm. I, I actually give Notre Dame credit for canceling that visit because they're not going to lead the kid on. I, mm-hmm. People need to understand, and I'm, I'm not. This is nothing against faded exile, but people need to understand what was going on behind the scenes and why they canceled certain things and they did certain things. They had this kid in their back pocket; he committed to them. So, I, I have no problem with them canceling that visit. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't either. I don't either. Okay. Now, we can always because we can always do the hindsight 2020 thing, right? Of course. I mean, we can always say, well, if you'd have known this, I, I would have made this call in third and five. Well, okay. Sure. We didn't have that data. We didn't have, you know, the back to the future, you know, sports almanac option to come back and, Ooh, you know, well start done. placing games on bets. You know what I mean? For those people that are younger, Crazy watch the movie. It's really good. Almanac. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But, you know, look, they made a decision, they went with it, and it didn't work. Okay. Now it's time to regroup, move on, and see what you're going to get. It reminds me a lot of the situation when Notre Dame put all their eggs in the, the Will Shipley basket. At the time, I didn't like that decision because I thought there was other good backs on the right, board. Right. But look what they ended up doing. They they recovered, and they went and got Logan Diggs and Audrick Estime. Ended up being okay. And if they get one of the kids that's on the board that, that, that I think is going to be on the board now, again, I, I think they'll be okay. Right. You know, So it, it's a big loss. It stings. But – I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be okay too, based on the film I watched this morning. So, yeah. Well, I okay. mean, they got to get those kids, right? I mean, that's no, the absolutely thing. I mean, 100%. But I get those saying, kids, right? Those options are really, really good options to have. That, that's yeah. that's all I'm saying. It's not yeah. like they're left standing in the cold, potentially. Right. Okay. God, country, Notre Dame, barbecue, and coffee. Still need to change that last word. <laughs> okay. Part one Al Golden is my favorite coaching hire of the offseason. Excluding Marcus Freeman, of course. I expect us to continue our great defenses with him and even get better. Do you see him being like a Venables, like Dabo had for a while? I believe with his experience of head coach and NFL already, he won't leave unless he gets his dream job. Thoughts? Sean, you want to take first crack at that? Man, that's pretty deep. You know, so, I mean... That's is how the, mailbags go, Sean. I know. This is what I've warned you. <laughs> here's, a, here's a fun fact. I don't know if I've ever told you guys this. Brent Venables and I are from the same hometown, Salina, Kansas. I didn't know that. And wow. I didn't know that. His older brother, Kirk, um, he and I kind of had a had a little rivalry for the same girl for a while. Nice. So wow. that's like that's like I, I met Brent once, but you know, he was still pretty young in high school, you know, but so that's like who won? I did. So. <laughs> That's how we roll, baby. I don't know That's why right. anybody had to ask. That's right. <laughs> um, for the short term, I guess. Like she, she never, she never went back with him anyway. Okay. So yeah. Okay. But that's um, all that matters. That's all. That's that matters. right. That's right. 
So I guess he's asking, is is Al Golden going to be around for a long time, the right. way Brent Venables was around for a long time? I, I, you know, where Al Golden is, in his, you know, like he, I believe his experience of head coach in the NFL already, he wouldn't leave unless he gets his dream job. You know, he's, it's been a while since he's been a head coach. He's at kind of that age you know he's more my age bracket than you know like vince's age bracket even you know which is you know early 40s as you know like i'm mid 50s so i would think that if al golden has some success and you know they're really kind of churning this thing around that if he gets an opportunity to to, especially to be a power five head coach again somewhere i wouldn't think he's going to turn that down you know i wouldn't think that he's necessarily going to stay here for the long term now that's just what I would think, you know, and like you hear him talk and, you know, he's he's had these opportunities. He obviously came back to college after being a position coach in the NFL. So he gets to be a coordinator again. And this is the first time he's been a coordinator for a long time. What's it been, Brian? Like 2004, 2005, I think it was somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah 2005, 2005 at Virginia. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I I think that, you know, if they have the kind of success that we think that that he can have and he gets an opportunity to, to move on and be a power five head coach, I would think that he would take it. I wouldn't think that he's going to be like a, you know, a 10 or 12 year guy right. at Notre Dame. I, I think in a lot of instances, I, I do think, I do think he would be like Venables in that. I, I, I look, I don't, I don't think he'll be at Notre Dame as long as Venables was at Clemson because Venables is two years younger now than Al Golden is now. So he was much younger when he got the job at Clemson. It was a decade ago. Right. So, but the other part of it is, I, I do think, however, that he could be like Venables in that I don't think Brent Venables left Clemson this offseason because he wanted to leave Clemson and was ready to be a head coach. It was the job he would, a job he coveted came open. Right. A big job. Uh, he wouldn't have left. Right. He wouldn't have left for Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State. If Matt, if let's say Matt Campbell got a big time job, right? Let's say Harbaugh gets the you know, the Vikings job and Michigan goes and hires Matt Campbell. Brent Venables isn't leaving Clemson to go be the head coach at Iowa state. There was a number of jobs he would take and Oklahoma was one of them. Remember he was in Oklahoma for a long time and had some really good football teams when he coached under Bob Stoops. And so I think the right job came along. I do think because of what happened at Miami that I do think Al Golden will be a little bit more picky. He's not going to just sure. take a power five job. John didn't say that he would take any power five job. Right. But like, let's say James Franklin leaves in two years and, and Notre Dame's rolling and doing great. Yeah. I think Al Gold would strongly consider going back to his alma mater. And, and, you know, he's a New Jersey guy. He played at Penn state. Yeah. I think he would look at that. Do I think if Pitt came open, he'd take that. Might be a little more skeptical there. Cause I do think at his age, he, I think he would want to go somewhere that he doesn't have to rebuild a program and then just to be good, not great. I think it would it would be like Venables there where it'd have to be a good power five job. Like he's not leaving for Vanderbilt like Clark Lee did, I guess is the point no. I'm trying to make. And he's he's gonna have more visibility here as the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame than even even as a linebackers coach for a team that went to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. like Cincinnati. There, there's obviously gonna be more visibility. And again, now you're a coordinator, so so things have changed. So you have success, he's gonna have some opportunities once again, yeah. especially with the guy with the kind of yeah. background that he does already have. Right. And, and I will also say that if Notre Dame has the success that we all envision that is possible at Notre Dame under Marcus Freeman, you're going to see a lot of turnover from the assistant coaches yeah. because when you're good, people poach you, you know, and you take that step up job. And there's, I think there's going to be, we're going to be talking about coach openings a lot, 
you know, each off season. I, I think that that's a reality of a team that is really, really good. I mean, how, how often does Alabama change offensive coordinators? Well, they change offensive coordinators because those guys go off and get head coaching jobs. You know what I mean? Like that, I think that's a reality that Notre Dame fans are going to have to get used to, you know, and the guys that remember, remember how excited we were at the time that Notre Dame, that Marcus Freeman was going to keep almost the entire staff. And then those guys left. They all left for, we didn't see that coming either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but they all left for better jobs. And so you can't, you can't necessarily hold that against those guys. That's just the reality of being part of a good program. Mm -hmm. So I think people need to understand that as well. Okay. Good question. Yeah. Really good question. Do you have a a one you want to throw up or I'll I'll bring some up as I, as, as they come along, but I I have one that I'm getting ready to bring up. Yes. All right. Here we go from Mark E. Stewart for the super chat. Thank you very much. Why is it okay that Notre Dame operates so differently and doesn't need the TV money but we don't have the best facilities. If we are the biggest brand in college football, why not have tops in everything that can be offered? Go get the money. Okay, I I think this is a great question, and I would like to address it, Sean. And and if you have something you add that, I'd love to hear it. But here here's the thing: sure. Notre Dame not having great facilities for all those years had nothing to do with them not having the money to do so. It had it had hmm. to do with them having the desire and to to want to actually be. Right. The best in those areas. Correct. It's never been a, a money issue. I mean, Notre Dame has a $20 billion endowment. The point to that is not that they could just take from that to go build a stadium, but it's fundraising isn't a problem at Notre Dame. You know, and part of the reason their endowments at $20 billion is because they did some really smart investments. Notre Dame understands how to make and raise money <laughs> is the point. Yes. And and what I would say is, is when Jack Swarbrick took over in, in 2009, you know, he kind of sat back for a year, I think wisely said, let's let Charlie coach this last year and see how he does. Because then it gives you a chance to evaluate everything. And pretty much early on, Jack Swarbrick made the decision to say, we've got to we've got to start competing with the best. Notre Dame has a way of doing it. And you look at the Crossroads project, they raised money for that at a pretty phenomenal level when you consider how yeah. much money they had to raise for that price they it's did almost it a half quickly. a billion dollars they hit quick like that right. was fast they raised it quick and they built it relatively quick to yeah. now their name stadium is a phenomenal up to yeah. state-of-the-art place now oh uh and, it, and, and it's it i mean even when you get into the bowels of it right. you know like sean and i had to go into like the tv or not the tv but like the studio area mm-hmm. where they have the audio visual stuff it's first rate, man. Like they got some nice yeah. stuff. And I know Sean can speak to that more specifically, but I was impressed as I was walking through there. Yeah. It's the recruiting facility. Yes. It's everything, right? The press box. I mean, everything about it is, is, you know, the, the scoreboard. Well, they don't have light shows. That, that, that's not a money thing. That's a choice because right. guess what? Nerdy decided, Hey, let's have one. And, and that was freaking awesome. Yeah. Right. Go ahead, Sean. Well, the choice that's, right. that's, that's the key word right there because, you know, we talk about the tradition of Notre Dame and the tradition of independence and all these different things. And, you know, for a long time, there was kind of that tug of war between, okay, we don't, we shouldn't have to do this because we're Notre Dame. Notre Dame should sell itself, you know, that kind of mentality. Like when I got here 22 years ago, it'll be 22 years in October, that field, well, (laughs) It's not a field now where the practice fields are and where the the new you know practice facility and the lacrosse stadium and the soccer stadium when i got here it was pretty much what you know a wide open field over there that was the outdoor football uh you know practice fields and then there was 
you know, the soccer quote unquote stadium that looked more like a high school stadium. And there was, you know, there was a softball field that basically looked like a high school softball field. Well, look at, you know, the track facility wasn't there. All those different things, you know, so they've done a lot. You know, the Goog wasn't even there. In, in so they've they've shifted their philosophy. And again, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, they they go out and they fundraise to get those. They've they've right. You know, so there's again, there's kind of been that tug of war between, you know, the tradition and now there's an arms race, obviously, going on in college athletics, where all these other places where these kids like you know, Dante Moore, CJ Carr, whoever they happen to be are, are going to these other places and they see all these shiny bells and whistles. Right. And Notre Dame doesn't necessarily still have that because right. they do want the tradition to be part of their thing. Right. So, so they've done a lot to get to where they are yeah. right now. I, I mean, guess. they you have know, there's one been of the a big best, mindset. Shit. Yeah, yeah. They have one of the best indoor facilities in college oh, football right it's now. Beautiful. Right. You know? It's beautiful. It's right. beautiful. I mean, they have they have an indoor facility and then three full practice fields. Correct. They have four practice fields at Notre Dame right now. Yes. Right. Two turf, two grass. Correct. Uh, three turf, two grass. Three turf, two grass. Well, because yeah. the the one indoors is turf, and then the two right. in the fence are turf, and then the outside so one. So it's three turf, one yeah. grass. Yep. Okay. Three so turf, three one turf, grass. one grass. Yep. Which makes sense because you now play on turf most of the time. You have yeah. a new turf field. You have well, yeah, almost all the time. Yeah. I mean, almost ever, except some of the ACC schools. Like Pitt. Yeah. Right. You know, you've th- th- you've talked that the indoor facilities being built up. This. This notion that Notre Dame doesn't have big time facilities is really outdated. It really, yeah. it really is. It's, it's, and it became outdated quickly. That's the thing is when Brian Kelly started, it was very much a real thing. I mean, it yeah, really absolutely, was. absolutely yeah. agree. Uh, in, 20, in 2012, it was a real thing, and and it started with the field, and and so. But the thing is, is they don't they don't need to take the TV money to do that. Notre Dame could raise more in a, if Notre Dame needed a project that was going to cost two hundred million dollars, they could raise more in a year through the development office. Who, by the way, they do a phenomenal job. You know, no, they, they may do. complain about having to work and all that. Kind of stuff. <laughs> but but I know some that love what they do yes. and and they do a phenomenal job because they don't just raise money for football projects. They raise well, money and for that's, academic and, and that's a really and good point because over the last decade. Has there been one period where there hasn't been construction on that campus of them Somewhere. building a new building? Right. I mean, right. there is right now. They're right. building, and it's like all <laughs> they raise that money. Yes. And if they needed, if they needed a hundred million dollars next year, Sean, you know, the, oh, let's take the TV deal because we need this money to build this. Notre Dame could raise it quicker than they could get it from. They could get it. Big Ten. You Absolutely. know, again, just the just some of the interactions I've had with some former baseball guys over the past couple of months between the World Series and the 2002 team having their their. Uh, reunion and and one of those guys working in the development office you know just just those conversations have told me you know there there are people lining up to give money when they need to get money right. they can go out and get Crazy. money right. you know so give, give hey guys i've had a great time doing this uh i've got a i've got to check out though so See you, sean ib nation sports talk monday six o'clock vince will be there i'll be there too see you guys see you have a good weekend <laughs> so Vince, I, I do think it's important though that we that we put a, a bow on this one because I, I think Mark's question is valid. I, I think, think it's legit because we hear it all the time about yes, the facilities and and, 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 I, and I would just say like you know it, it it's a valid it has been a valid concern for a long time at Notre Dame. My only thing is is here's the deal, Mark. If let's just say that Notre Dame joined the Big Ten and got a hundred million dollars a year, just for argument's sake, if the administration from twenty years ago was still around they would take that money and put it somewhere else. 
Right. They wouldn't use it for fo- yes, football. Yes, that is correct. They'd still have old facilities and an old locker room and an outdated this and an outdated that. Notre Dame's locker room now, they took the, they've took they they've done such a phenomenal job, and this was my concern. Are they going to lose the traditional feel? Right. Like, I don't think tradition is a, a building that's 100 years old. Right. That's fine for the Basilica and all that, but, like, of as course. far as athletics. I don't I, – Newt Rockney, you and I have talked about this. If Newt Rockney was, you know, still coaching at 130 years old – you know what I mean? Like he'd have been the first person, or if during his era there were scoreboards and turf fields, and he'd have been the first person yep. on those things. He's all about innovation. Was. That, innovation. That's what Notre Dame Stadium was when it was built. It was, right. it was you know, it was the biggest right. and the best. Right. And so I think there was this, it was so it wasn't a money, it's never been a money thing, Mark. That's the thing that, that I think people don't understand. It was a what are you prioritizing? And in the past, they would take, you know, the football revenue would then be used to pay for so many other things. Well, now that they are doing such a good job raising money for other things that they don't necessarily need to to do that as much anymore. But the football team can get what they need to get. They would you know, it would just take maybe a year longer, right, to do it. Uh, in if for the massive like four hundred million dollar projects like the like the Crossroads project, but it would get done. Right. And like the, right now, they're already working on the Goog. There's a, yes. a huge renovation is going to happen, but they're just fundraising for it. And it sounds like they're gutting it. Like it, it, they're right. pretty much starting from scratch, which right. which is necessary, in my opinion. I mean, they built that when Charlie was here. And so they do need to do that. There, there are certain things that Notre Dame is doing with their football program that they don't really have the facilities to do. They're, they're, they're kind of like scratching areas out and doing certain things. And, and, and um, the, the uh, the eating areas and all of those things, but they've got a beautiful building. They just have to repurpose it a little bit. That mm-hmm. that's basically what it is. They need to repurpose it, and they're doing that. But again, it takes a little bit of time. And they've got a beautiful indoor facility, man. You walk recruits into there, and it's like, okay, yeah, this is yeah. this is top notch. Right. So so again, I I think it's a priorities thing, not a money thing. That's all I'm saying. They don't need that money. And and, And they never did. What makes them different is that these other programs are living. Like I said, they're living outside their means to where if they don't make that money, they can't pay salaries. They can't pay, you know, that kind of thing. And and again, that's what that's why it's so many people. I mean, even to a degree, Notre Mm -hmm. Dame had to 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 scale down. And they did when they went to COVID. Everybody got hit by that. But some people were hit more long term, whereas Notre Dame's been able to recover very quickly in a lot of different ways uh, during that period of time. But, um, you know, so that that's where it comes from. I mean, it's a great question, but I I think that there's a there's a lot of things that 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 exist right now and what we believe to be true that just isn't true anymore. Right. Uh, And it's been a relatively recent thing. And. You know, is Notre Dame going to continue to you know redo things over and over again? No, because I don't think you need to. And ultimately, I don't think Notre Dame. If Notre Dame doesn't redo the indoor facility in five years, and it's you know other people, they're not going to lose recruits because of that, right? Exactly. Because it is still, if they were still trying to practice in was it Loftus? Loftus. Loftus then yeah, that would be a problem, right? right? But they're just. That's just not because the, the Loftus got outdated. There, there's no doubt about yeah. that. The Loftus right. got outdated. Oh gosh, I mean, Lou Holtz was practicing in Loftus, well, and correct. it was an old, it was and from a loose emoji that used to tell me it was old then. Right, right. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, so. they didn't even have full end zones. You know, right. I mean, it, it was definitely outdated. And I, I always remember watching Tyler Newsom punt inside Loftus. That was always fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It was ridiculous. 
So, and, and the new indoor facility is also used for other things too. I mean, that's where they held Marcus Freeman's press conference. They have recruiting right. events in there. The soccer team uses it for games. So, I mean, it is a well-used building and it's beautiful. So, yep. Yep. Oh, got we a got a super chat here from Steve Rolf. Thank you very much, Steve. Really appreciate that. And he said, is it that. still a Friday free-for-all? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I roll, mean, man. you couldn't see the Friday free-for-all because we had three guys in here, but it says it now. Yeah. Friday free-for-all, yep. baby. Gotta love it. Another super chat from Patrick Tolan. Any more thought on car reclassing? Also, to the Twitter tough guys, let's remember, more as an 18-year-old kid, be the adult. Yeah, if you're tweeting at Dante Moore today, just stop. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Person. Yeah, come just on. Give me a break. He's, and he's not an 18-year-old kid. He's a 17. He's 17. Exactly. He's still a, so, technically a child. I don't care so. if he was 20. Just leave, leave him alone. Stop. Let him. He made the best decision that he thought that he needed to make for himself and the well, people around him. I mean, whatever. It is what it yeah. is. I don't care what the reasons are. He made it. Yeah. He, he made, he made the decision. And Can we be adults? It is. It is. Yes, we Can absolutely. Can we be adults? And... As far as the car reclassifying thing, uh, I'll let you take it. I know you put some stuff on the message board, and I didn't. I don't know if I don't know how you wanted. I personally that. don't want him to reclassify, but if he makes <clears> the <throat> choice to reclassify, then I'll support that. I'm a believer in freedom of choice and freedom of opportunity, and if that's something he chooses to do, then go for it, young man. I'm in general, just in theory, a, a fan of kids getting to enjoy their high school experiences. Yeah. I think there's a lot of maturing that goes on during them. There's a lot of things that you experience during high school, good and bad, that 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 help mold you into the person that you're going to become someday. And, and I'm, I'm all for that. But if he makes a choice to do it, then he'll do it. Uh, what I don't like is when kids are pressured into those kind of things. And I think schools do that. That's not what's happening here with Notre Dame. Right. I think CJ card knows if he wants to reclassify, he can, they would accept that. But right now, the fact that Notre Dame is in fact reaching out to other 2023 quarterbacks tells me that right now, CJ is still leaning towards not doing so. And Notre Dame's not pushing it. As right. well, I think it's a right. two it's a two way street, right? right? I mean, I think everybody. Yeah, because if you push him phase. to do something he's, he doesn't want to do, then he's just say, "Fine, I'm going to go to some school that's right you know. that's cool with what I want." I mean, that's absolutely right. Right. My turn. Nope. I'll just, <laughs> oh. say, I'll just say this real quick. Okay, um, I get asked good. this a lot. Savage Science Fitness with a oh. super chat. Thank you, Brian. Do you plan on launching a phone app for iPhone anytime sooner? Would be easier for me to join the board uh, and go there that way. Look, we're still trying to get the message board figured out, and I'm not going to launch a bunch of projects. Uh, you know, look, we're, we're not as part, we're not part of it. Our message board is not part of a network. We're not part of the rivals network and and the or the two four seven network where they've got hundreds of thousands of dollars committed towards tech people that can do these things, right? Like this is all coming out of my pocket. You know, the message board came out of my pocket, right? It can't, all these things would have to come out of my pocket. And right now we're just not there. We're not even a year. Tomorrow will be a year since we lost the message, launched the message board, right? It's a work in progress, right? Other boards have been around for decades, you know, and, you know, we're, we're working on it, but I'm not going to jump into other projects. So like I said before, until I, the message board is where I want it to be. I'm doing one thing at a time. And, you know, cause I'm not, I'm, I'm doing this long-term. I mean, this is going to be our thing. We're not doing this, you know, I'm not building this up so I can quickly sell it to somebody else, make a ton of money and then peace out and go do something else. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> this is, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. And so if it, if it means that we got to build it slowly, we will. And that's what we've tried to do. Now we've gotten people on board a lot faster than we thought, which has been part of the problem. <laughs> you know, we've grown too right. fast, which good is a problem, I mean, but yeah, it, yeah. You know, and but and and most people are patient about it. Most are, some aren't. And if you're not, I understand it. It's your money. You can do with it what you want. I respect that. But 
you know, we're, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, speaking of living inside our means, I'm, I'm not going to spend money on a project that I can't afford Yeah. at this point right. in time. When right. we get to that point in time, we'll get there. I mean, I would, I, would, I will want to have an app someday. It's just sure. right now. But like, there. but peeking behind the curtain, it costs a lot of money to develop an app. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it's not a cheap endeavor. It's not just like, you know what I want to do? Right. I want an app today. Like it, 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 right. it costs some coins. So yeah, like right now I got to decide, okay, is my next full-time hire going to be another recruiting person, a team person, or am I going to have to hire a tech person to you deal know, with all the stuff? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's the reality of it. Yep. So it's. Again, good good problem to have, but still a problem. So, John Wayne's Winchester. Love that name. In regard to yesterday's question about places that you would like to see a game, I didn't hear you mention Tiger Stadium. Wouldn't a night game in Death Valley be prime viewing? Just think of the food. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of of Cajun food. It tastes okay, but it's kind of like you know. Mexican food. I I love Mexican food. Mexican food doesn't love me. <laughs> I like spicy things. Spicy things don't love me. Uh, but the other thing is, I mean, I've heard horror stories about what it's like to be an opposing fan at Tiger Stadium. Especially if you're an opposing fan with darker skin than I have. I've heard it's even worse for them. Uh, I've heard it's a horrible place to watch a game. So, no, I have no interest in going to Tiger. And I'm assuming Tiger Stadium is talking about LSU. LSU is what I'm assuming yeah. as well. Yeah, there's I, other Tiger Stadiums. That's just, true. You know, uh, but, but, but he I, said I, Death Valley and Tiger Stadium together, so yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. But I, the only thing I like about LSU is I do like their midfield logo. I, I think that's, that's cool, but that's great on TV. Exactly, I don't need, and that's, I don't need to be there and deal with all that stuff. To took the words I right need, out of my mouth. I don't need I have, beer poured on me. I don't need batteries yeah. thrown at me. I'm I'm good. I have no desire to go there in any way. I didn't before, and I definitely don't now. So yes, I, I'll, I'll, I will say that. Yes, God, country, Notre Dame barbecue and coffee. Who has more pressure on them to win on September 3rd, Ryan Day or Marcus Freeman? Is it as simple as Ryan Day because he is not a first-year head coach? What are your thoughts on that, Vince? My that my first my first inclination was Ryan Day because I think Marcus Freeman has an instant pass, okay? Because A, it's his first official game with his staff, his team, etc. He's going on the road against a top 5, top 3 potential, you know, team. No one expects him to win. He's a two-touchdown underdog. If he wins, it's amazing. If he loses, it's expected. So mm-hmm. I, I do. I think the pressure is more on Ryan Day. He's the more established coach. He's got the better team on paper. And everybody expects him to win. So if he doesn't win, that's a huge red flag right. if you're a Ohio State person. I, I Look, I, I think there's always more pressure on the person who's been in a place the longest, right? Like, I think there's <clears> – <throat> Marcus Freeman loses to Ohio State. He's got a bunch of games to kind of right get back on track and rebuild his reputation. Yes. If if you know, and and, and again, you, you know, with what he's doing recruiting and all that kind of stuff, a win helps, but a win doesn't define the program. If you're Ryan Day, you're now going into what year four, mm. and and you get beat at home in an opener by a first year head coach who you've okay. dominated on who, whose program you've dominated on the recruiting trail and for I, the previous decade. And I will also say uh, you lose your opener again. Right? Didn't they lose right. to Oregon? No, it was in their opener. That was, was in their opener. Was, okay. Yeah, no, no, they they okay. they was their home opener, I believe. Okay, but it wasn't their opener. They played Minnesota to start the season last year. Fair enough. And they were losing when Minnesota starting running back got hurt. I think Ohio I State would have eventually won the game, but uh, yeah, but you know they, they they struggled out of the game. Ohio State hasn't been a great September team. Not that Notre Dame has either. I mean, they barely sure. beat Florida State Toledo last year in September. Yeah, it's good just, point. Just making the point that. 
you know, it's early in the year and teams are who Notre Dame is going to be in November and who Ohio State's going to be in November are going to be look way different than what they are in September. Sure. You know, and, and, and if and if people think that that they're just going to go out there and Marvin Harrison's going to look like Garrett Wilson in the opener, they're they're kidding themselves. Just like if Notre Dame fans think that Tyler Buckner's going to go out there in the opener and look like, you know, Joe Montana against Houston in the second half of the Cotton Bowl, they're kidding themselves. You know what I mean? Like whatever the <laughs> right. may be. Uh, you know, these are these are teams that are going to be works in progress. They're going to be very good, but they're both going to be works in progress. And if Notre Dame beats Ohio State, Ohio State's still going to be a great team next year and vice versa. I think to answer the question, however, I do think it's a bigger perception hit if Ryan Day loses in year four to a guy coaching what's essentially his first game as the head coach. You yes. Know, it's the first chance to coach with his staff, with his – right you know, whole off season and all that kind of stuff. I think the perception wise, I think it's much more important for Ryan day. Now, if it was at home for Notre Dame, I might change my tune. Cause you know, you need to win your first home game and all that maybe change my tune. But I think in this instance, the, the, the older guy, I, I think always yeah. is, is, is not, not, you know, not he's that much older, but you know, he's been there long, but the yeah, more he's, yeah, he's more important. established. Absolutely. Yeah. No question. John's got a two-parter here, Brian. Yeah. So. I want to, I want to, I want to oh. res- respond to this because uh, Archer, Ohio State fan, said Ryan Day has pressure on him every game. It comes with the job. Freeman is in the same level of job, but I don't think that's the that I don't think that's where the you know, Archer the question is coming from. In my opinion, I think the question is is more coming from the standpoint of you know the 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 the, per, the pressure of what the game would mean, the perception sure. of what it would mean, and I do think that there's always more on. It's like it's like you know, like is there pressure on them every game? Yeah, if you're at Ohio, State, you got to win every game. If you're Notre Dame, you have to win every game. But there's some games where like the pressure is greater, right? Like look at John Cooper. Look at John Cooper's record at Ohio State was pretty darn good. He had some really great teams. But why was he considered a failure at Ohio State? Because he couldn't beat Michigan. There's that one team, and then the one year he beats Michigan, they lose to Michigan State and don't play for title, right? Like it's how you perform. Brian Kelly. Why are so many people like us down to Brian Kelly? Because he won a ton of games, could win the big ones. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think this would be one of those things where with the way Notre Dame is recruiting right now, and, and they're finally starting to actually win some battles against Ohio State. You're not winning them all or anything close to it, but they're starting to win some. Then you lose at home to that Notre Dame team, and people realize, hey, maybe this Freeman guy can coach too. I think it's more about the perception and where your program is and the questions of, for example, let's say Notre Dame this year goes out and makes a playoff run. There will be some that will say, you know, hey, you had Brian Kelly's players, which would be accurate. It was 100% accurate. Right? Yeah. And then if, like, let's say Marcus Freeman's first two or three years, Notre Dame's just really good. But then years in four and five and six, Notre Dame starts to slide down. See, he won with Kelly's players, but when it came sure. about him building the team his way, he wasn't able to do it. And I think that's the territory Ryan Day is starting to enter. It's just now kind of his team now. It's You can't say, well, he's got to overcome this from Urban or benefit from this from Urban. It's now his team. And if they don't take a step forward, it's kind of like, is this who he is? Sure. You know, and so I think Marcus Freeman's not in there yet. In three years, it'd be a different story. And I think that's kind of where we're coming from with that one. But big picture, of course, there's always pressure yeah. to win at Notre Dame. And there's always pressure with Ohio State. Absolutely. But I don't think that's where that question was coming from, yeah. in my opinion. Yep, I agree completely with that. Am I up? Yes. Just if I don't pull something up okay. right away, just go to the we've, next question. We've, okay? we've been doing, yeah. we've been comboing up. All right. 
Uh, John's got a two-parter here. Penn State joining the Big Ten was a bit before my comprehension of college sports, but I thought the ACC made the first big conference move, taking the top of the Big East in 2004, Miami, Virginia Tech, and Boston College. Florida State, Miami, and Virginia Tech had played for the national title in the five previous years to the move. Then uh, you and FSU got hit. Sorry, didn't mean to do that. That's okay. Got hit with sanctions, and the Orange Bowl was destroyed back when we would have never thought the ACC could fall. I mean, that's kind of why I say, like, this notion that that the Big Ten and the SEC are going to do all these things, and then they're just going to, you know, everyone's going to die. Maybe, but that better happen pretty quickly because – you know, football cyclical in a lot of ways, Vince. Yeah, I agree. And you know, to me, when when I look at where those questions go, did you just unstar them? I just unstarred them. Yeah. Okay. I was still reading through the first one again. Oh, sorry. Um, you know, I yeah. So I, I, I what was the first part? Of his it was question? just a, it was just about Penn State going, but then but but he was saying that the ACC made the first big move, yeah. and then the Big Ten kind of well, no, no, the Big Penn Ten State made in. the first move actually. So so the Big Ten actually, Penn State made the first move. Penn Penn State joined, basically committed to the Big Ten in 1990, is I believe when that happened. And I'd have to go back and look. I think Miami was like Penn State officially didn't start. I think to like 92, but they made the decision well before. That so I, I I'd have to go back and look, John. You could be right, uh, but I always thought that it was Penn State that made that first move. I and I've kind of been back and forth because then we were kind of, and then you know my, Miami and Penn State were the first two, uh, you know. So so right here, uh, Miami joined the Big East in October 1990. Let me see when Penn State joined the Big Ten. Let me find that specific date of that. Um, Penn State joins the Big Ten. Just give me one second. This is Google searches. Uh, they, they It was 1990 as well. I'm trying to see the date of when they did it. It was, um, looks like they did it in June. So, or no, I'm sorry. That's a different deal here. Let's see, 1990. Let's see what the date was. But it was around the same time, but I thought Penn State actually made the move first. So, but anyway, they both happened at the same time. And then Penn State, um, then Florida State quickly followed to join the ACC. And that was the interesting thing is they all joined different leagues, right? That's the fascinating thing is they all left to join a different league. Miami went to the Big East. Penn State went to the Big Ten. And Florida State went to the ACC. They were all independents. Yeah. And so, like, they didn't go from – like, that shakeup wasn't about teams leaving leagues. That shakeup was teams no longer being independent. Right. That's when kind of independence – I don't want to say it died, but – It died. Much- I mean, because it was then it was basically Notre Dame. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, Notre Dame and like Navy. Right. Well, I mean, it's like you start to see like more teams started to kind of leave over the next four or five years. But I mean, Penn State, Miami, Florida State, Notre Dame were the power independents back then. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we're just consistently top five teams. And so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it it definitely it, it definitely shook things up. Sure. Uh, Penn State joined in June of 1990. So Penn State was like three months ahead of Miami, right? So four months ahead of Miami joining the Big East. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the ACC at the time was was big time, right? I mean, Virginia Tech joins. They, and what was it, 1999, wasn't it? You know, you had, a, you had two teams that became ACC teams playing for the title, Virginia Tech and, and Florida State. You know, obviously at the time, 
they were the Big East. I mean, there was a time when the Big East, like we're talking about it as if they were the ACC then. No, in the 1990s, the Big East was Miami and Virginia Tech. I mean, the Big East in the 90s and the early 2000s were were big time. Like I'm trying to remember when did when did Miami join the ACC? Do you remember when that was, Vince? Vince? I, I thought he said 2004 in that, but I don't know. Right. If that- so they joined in 2004. So like in 1999, a Big East team played for the national title. In 2001, a Big East team won the national title. And in 2002, a Big East team was once again the runner-up in the national championship game, right? I mean, because Virginia Tech and Miami. Yeah. And so, yeah, things changed. And all of a sudden, all those teams ran to the ACC, and ACC was a football power, and then immediately they went down because Miami went back down, Florida State went down for a little bit. Right. And, you know, because then in 93 – uh, you know, you had not, in 93, Florida State obviously had their run. Florida State won the title over Virginia Tech in 1999. So it was two eventual ACC teams. But that'll that'll happen to, to – to, I mean, the difference between the Big Ten, though, is the Big Ten has always been a football conference first. Correct. The ACC was a basketball conference that tried to become a football conference. Agreed. And and I don't think you had – you didn't. and the other thing, too, is it comes down to leadership. And the ACC, just in my opinion, hasn't had good leadership in a long time. I don't know what Jim Phillips is going to do. I have no idea. But he inherited a mess. And I don't know if he's up to the job of fixing it. We'll have to find that out. Yeah, but it'll be a tough task for anybody. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely is. He's up against it. He's going to have to. Keep yeah. It, right. And, right. Mean, How do you keep teams yeah. from leaving that want to leave? Yeah. Because now it's going to be hit on, right. his, on his tombstone, on his right. obituary, the last commissioner. Right. Came. Died under exactly, exactly. It's legit. He's staring in the face right now. Right. Yeah. Marky Stewart, thanks for the super chat. I've been to Tiger Stadium for a night game against Alabama. No issues. Great atmosphere coming and going. I heard the rumors, but people were great. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that it was good for you. I you're the first person I've ever talked to that wasn't an LSU fan that talked about their experience being positive. So maybe they've maybe they've changed. Maybe they've changed their ways. But I've heard some really really bad things patrick fitzgerald thank you so much for the super chat happy anniversary ib sorry if i this was brought up already but any idea why vegas lowered notre dame's over under wins for this year i don't know i mean i i honestly vince do you have any idea i mean i, I don't know why they had him at seven and a half last year i have always, no clue yeah i mean it, it's always it, it's always about where the money's going, you know, they open it up and they see what side the money's going. If the money's lopsided, then they adjust the line. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's my, that's my Vegas take on it. You know what I mean? I don't think there was anything that Notre Dame did or didn't do that made people think that they were going to be better or worse. My mm-hmm. guess is just the money was all going in one direction. And so they decided to change the line to get money on the other side. I and mean, that's, that's Vegas in a nutshell for yeah. you. Yeah. I, I, we talked about this in our show. And we, I have no clue why Vegas is down on them. They were down on them last year and year before that. Five or six years. I mean, we, yeah. you, they average what, eight and a half on, you know, the, on wins as far as the yeah. over us. I mean, yeah. it, come on now. Wasn't, I mean, it like, wasn't it like seven and a half? La- I still think it wasn't a seven eight and a half, half last and year. Half. Seven and a half. Actually, I think I still have that document. Seven and a half and oh seven and 17. It was and 17. seven and a half and 17. That is correct. Yeah. Which that I somewhat understand because they were coming off a four and eight year. Right. Right. And they had a pretty tough schedule, but still, it's just like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, it's been eight and a half pretty much consistently the last three years. Yeah. So, and I guess eight and a half isn't terrible when you consider there was only a 10 game regular season in 2020, but eight and a half. But I'd be curious if that came out before that was a thing. That's what I'd be curious about. 
Like that when did when did number, that line come out? Where I found that number was in August. The the article that Going I read it right into that yeah. season. Okay, so yeah. it would have been after all the decisions were made about. Okay, right. Okay, so that one I get. The other ones not so much. Super chat from James Bucker. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Why doesn't Notre Dame get with NBC, create a big sports contract, and create their own super conference, grabbing the big remaining teams in and shock the nation? We've talked about this, James, and I think it would be fantastic. Personally, I think the biggest thing that you would have to get accomplished if you're Notre Dame, which I think is totally within the realm of possibility, is you would have to get that TV deal in writing so that you could show it to these other teams and be like, look, mm-hmm. you come with us. This is what we've right. got. It can't be come with us and let's see what we can get. I and think it would it, have to take over time. It yes. was like, when does your, when does your league? Cause you can't, cause the thing is to just take a bunch of teams, you'd have to buy a lot of them out of their current deals. That's a lot of money. Other than see what's happening right now with USC and UCLA is their, their partnership agreement with the U with the PAC 12 is coming up. That's why they're joining in 24. That's what happened with Texas and Oklahoma. As you sign, you're not like a permanent member of a conference. You sign a contract with that conference to be a part of them for a period of time. And when that's up, you can choose to go somewhere else. It's usually coincide with their team. Now, what makes the ACC stuff so interesting is a lot of those teams are not just locked into uh, the conference, but they're now in a, a contract with them financially beyond that, that if you get out of this deal before your time is up, and a lot of them are, are, are further down, you have to pay a lot of money. Like <laughs> say so. you, know, you, know, you have to pay a lot of money. Yeah. So it would if have to be something where they're right doing now. it over time. Yeah. yeah. Left right now, yeah. it's almost four hundred million dollars they would have to pay. Right. That's a right. lot of money. Right. So now, now what's going to happen is is ESPN is going to try to sue uh, to you know to get that ACC deal voided, and there's going to be counter suits by the ACC and different schools in the ACC that don't aren't being invited to those conferences. Uh, so a friend of mine the other day, who's a, a attorney, I believe he's an attorney was explaining to me, uh, the tertiary, I think it's called tertiary. Um, oh, goodness gracious. I'm going to have to find it up, but it's basically interference, right? Uh, tortious interference or something like that. I'm a not a right. lawyer, tortious interference. Right. And it's essentially, you know, that, that ESPN is essentially going behind the scene. The accusation is mm-hmm. that ESPN is going behind these scenes and they are, trying to broker deals for certain conferences that would undermine deals they already have in place with other conferences. Right. Because they can't afford to pay the ACC their contract from 2036 and also pay the SEC what they're paying them. And so they're trying to destroy the ACC, take the teams they want and take all that money they have committed to the ACC and now give it all to the SEC, a bigger version of the SEC, which is smaller than the SEC and the ACC combined. Right. And that's really what it comes down to. And that's what people are already alleging that that right. ESPN do, which is illegal. They can't do yeah. that. ESPN is trying to cancel their own contract, essentially. Pretty and, much. Yeah. Maybe. Pretty much. By by right. forcing people into terms that don't match what, you know, they're basically forcing people to not live up to agreements they signed right. with other teams. And it gets even more interesting when you're trying to poach the Pac-12 or especially the Big 12, because the Big 12 has a contract with Fox also. And that's where there was there was some rumblings about how maybe some Big Twelve teams could do that, but you know I, I don't know how it's all going to play out. But it, somebody's going to have to step up to the table yeah. and say, um, no doubt, you know, some say, hey, look, we're not going to stand for this. We're not going to stand for uh, th- what you're doing because we're going to get left out in the cold. 
right? Exactly. Like Clemson's not going to sue. They're going to benefit from it. Florida State's not going to sue. They're going to benefit from it. But, you know, so what was the latest rumor was that it was Virginia, North Carolina, Florida State, and Clemson. So what's going to happen is it, what needs to happen is Duke, Georgia Tech, Miami. Uh, Virginia Tech, Miami, all these schools need to come together The and, and along with the ACC right. in – file suits against you know whatever whatever whoever they can i that i don't know who would that would be because i'm speaking as a layperson, not a lawyer but just from some of the conversations i've had with people there there, there are potential okay. lawsuits that would that could happen and the danger for espn is you file a lawsuit there's a discovery period mm-hmm. and there's some people that are saying espn may not want to come <laughs> out what <laughs> you might find in the discovery that's just that's just people making accusations i don't have any facts of that i'm just saying this is what people are saying so it's really interesting but yeah, at the end of the day too james uh, nbc doesn't really isn't really a, a a very strong company right now financially they're not in a great financial position right to be able to go out and offer the kind of deal that an entity like espn can offer well and they and, don't and have that's what makes fox different too vince is they're in a different universe yeah the nbc is not a, a really sound company right now and they don't have Disney powering the engine either, like ESPN and ABC do. That's true. And so they don't have the money to go start something like that. I mean, because it would cost billions. And you look at their their news networks, their I mean, all the different shows. I mean, they're not a really strong in- entity right now. And that's why you know they've chosen to kind of go on you know one NFL game, one college football game. That's why they. That's why they lost the NFL to begin with. They didn't have the money to keep up with it. What's part of the reason? It's much more. It's always more complicated. But uh, you know. But it was. It was about they didn't have the money to compete with Fox and those other entities. And right. that's why I've always talked about maybe CBS being that that third powerful entity that could maybe step up because CBS appears to be a much stronger business situation uh, to do that than NBC is at the, at the current moment. Because does NBC have any? Remember, NBC used to have the AFC, the NBA, and and Notre Dame, right? And and of course, and all you know, racing and all those. And now it's like what they've got, they've got one NFL game, Notre Dame, and then a bunch of horse racing and some NASCAR and stuff like that. You know, yeah, I mean, Fox pretty much has NASCAR now. Really? Okay, so oh, even, yeah. yeah, even more. It's Fox and ESPN. I don't remember anything being on NBC to be honest with you. Uh, they I have like the Kentucky Derby, I think. Um, but yeah, sports wise, they're not really in the picture anymore right. outside of Notre Dame football and, and sports that don't cost a whole lot Sunday of money. Football, you know, yeah. that's one game a week, right? You know? it but it costs all a lot less. So Absolutely. we're still dipping our toe in it, but we're not. Yeah, you know, so they can yeah. still you know get the Super Bowl and do some certain things when they've got their toe in the water, right. you know. But yeah, right. Florida Irish with a question. Seems Navy is the most recent example of why not to lose one's independence. Same. Great this is awesome. I read this earlier and I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Same could be said of Penn State, Florida State, and Miami. All seem to have declined since joining a conference. Fair or unfair? Yeah, I mean, if you think about Miami, they started a decline right after joining the Big East. Right, They had a couple year run, but like by 94, they had faded. And then Butch Davis comes in and they had that really short run under him, like 99 to 01. And then Larry Coker, you know, had that team in 02. 
you know, he was like, he was, well, he, 99 is when the run started. So it was like sure. 99 to 02. They had a nice run and then they fell right off the cliff again. Yes. Uh, and by the time they got to the ACC, they just, they weren't that good. Right. And, and, you know, Florida state that, that could be said about Florida state, but Florida state was really good for a long time in the ACC. I mean, Florida state joined the ACC, I believe in like 91, 92, they won two titles in the ACC. In 93, they won a national title. They were, when they beat, when they lost to Notre Dame, but still won the title, they were in the ACC that year. Mm-hmm. They won another title in 99. Actually, they've won three national titles as a member of the ACC. So Florida State's not the example to, to utilize here because I think the ACC was good for them. Sure. Because, you know, it gave them a home for a lot of their other sports. They are not a program that's ever been a great financial program. So joining the ACC gave them a, a nice. revenue stream that was good for a long time. Jet. It's it's gotten out of it's gotten out of hand the last 10 years. And the in the AC, they just can't keep up anymore with the SEC. But you also had a great coach. And I think that's something that has has that's the reason Florida State's not winning right now because they 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 hired Willie Taggart. Uh, a mess. So, yeah, I mean, it's stuff like that. It's not. Yeah. It's not because of being in the ACC. Uh, Penn State has never been the same program since joining Great. the Big Ten. They Great. had some. They had some runs early, like their '94 team went undefeated. And they had been in the Big Ten for you know a couple years at that point in time, but they've never really been that power. I mean, la- they've had some years recently. A lot of people say, "Well, it's because of the Sandusky." So I'm like, "That's fine," uh, but yeah. they were in the league for 20 years before that happened, right? And, and no, that that didn't come into you know light till like around 2010 ish, yeah. Right, they've been in the Big Ten for 20 years and had never won. A, I mean, they, they went undefeated one year and didn't even get a chance to play for a championship. 1994. So yeah, and now they're just a they're just a really good Big Ten team. They're not yeah. the, the national entity. Miami, same same deal. But I don't know if joining a league is the reason that happened in Miami. I think a lot of this is just leadership, poor leadership, in right. my opinion is a lot of it. But I think with Navy is a great example because I, what's hurt Navy is I'm yeah, I want, I'm curious to see what you say here. Well, it's because teams now see the triple every year. Bingo. Bingo. It's the same so you're not yeah. unique anymore. I'm exactly right. right. Yep. Right. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. And that's that's the biggest detriment to Navy when they could create their own schedule top to bottom 1 through 12, then they could not have the same guys on our same teams on their schedule year in and year out. So they don't see triple that much because triple is not mm-hmm. something that is seen throughout the country on a regular basis. Right. So we talk about it all the time with Notre Dame and the different offenses that they see. They see triple once a year, you know, and it's Navy. The only teams mm-hmm. that do triple are service academies and they play each other and that's fine. But others, now that they're in a conference, they see those same teams over and over and over. And so now you have a chance to pick apart that offense a little bit more and you have more experience from a, player standpoint from a coaching standpoint all of it mm-hmm. and so i think that hurt navy big time i think it hurt I agree. Them big time. and i i'm i'm sure they joined the conference for consistency with their other sports yeah all of those different things and i get it but from yeah. a football standpoint it didn't help them at all it hurt them yes yeah, it hurt them it, it hurt them and the next question we have vince too is is a, is kind of in line with i think fit really well with this, this i i think it's We've talked to this about on the show before, but I, I love this question and I've, I've wanted to do another show on it again, but I just don't want to get into repetitive stuff because I, I, I love this topic. I absolutely yeah, love this topic. Absolutely. Tyler Evans says, what schools do you wish that can go back to being a powerhouse again besides Notre Dame? Like, so why does it matter? Like, why would I want another school? And I'm not questioning you. I'm setting up the stage for my answer. 
Yeah. Why would it matter if I care about other teams and Notre Dame being good? Sure. And and the answer to that is is because the more powerhouses there are, the more the current powerhouse that's ahead of everybody else gets torn down. And and because here's what happens, right? If Florida State was still Florida State, Miami was still Miami, Bama never would have been what it's been the last 15 years. Right. And because they wouldn't have been able to. To, they would have still been great. They would have right. had multiple national titles. Bama would have multiple national titles. Because let's not forget, Gene Stallings won a national championship during a time when Florida State, Notre Dame, and Miami were powerhouses, right? So Bama's a powerhouse program. Sure. No mistaking that. What I'm saying is they wouldn't have like six titles or seven titles or whatever it is since Saban got there. They might only have three. It would still be a phenomenal run. They'd still be the premier program, but they'd get beat a lot more. Because what would happen is Florida State would take kids. The kids that are currently at Bama would either be at Florida, some of them. Right. Enough of them to matter would be at Florida, Florida State, Miami, um, you know, Notre Dame if they were, you know, better than Penn State, Ohio State, right? USC, Texas if they were still good, right? So, I mean, Bama's gone into Texas and taken some dudes that if Texas was what they were from, like, 05 to 09, I don't know if they get those guys out of Texas. Texas used to be unstoppable in Texas. Right, right. If you had an offer from Texas, that's – I mean, good luck pulling them out. You know right, what I mean? The only team that could ever beat them was, like, Oklahoma, yeah, right, who's right. basically considered an in-state school if you're in northern Texas. Correct. Yeah, it was always very, very – I mean, they had a – you want to talk about putting a fence around your backyard. Texas right. had that much nailed down. If USC – if Pete Carroll was still at USC, let's be honest – Bryce Young is not Alabama starting quarterback right now. Right. He's not. He's a Southern and California kid, isn't he's he? He's at USC. He was originally committed to USC, yeah. right? And so that's what happens is, is these big powers that kind of go down, they start losing their stronghold in recruiting. And so then Bama consolidates that talent more. Clemson consolidates that talent more. In the North, Ohio State consolidates that talent. You know, Jim Harbaugh not being a recruiting force – and he went through a time with with um, uh, Chris Partridge there where they were able to recruit some big-time players from the East Coast because he was able to tie, tie into his Jersey connections as a as a big-time high school coach. And and they had some strong early classes, but once he left, they've kind of gone down even more. They're just not the power. Penn State hasn't been the power. Notre Dame hasn't until recently hasn't been that power that could kind of beat Ohio State. And I've said this before. I mean, I've talked to people that I know at Ohio State and be like, Man, we never worried about Notre Dame. We ne- when we hear no- the kids looking at Notre Dame, we're like, okay, we're the- we'll have to worry about them, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so, you know, that's kind of that's kind of what it was like. And so now you start if if you know, so who are the programs that need to emerge? Two of the Florida schools have to get back to being what they were. And I don't care which ones. It can be Florida, Florida State, Miami. Of those three schools, two of them have to get back to being powerhouse programs, in my opinion. If if, if just one, it'll have an impact. Two, I think, would have an even greater impact. So right now, it's looking like Miami's on the best track because Mario Cristobal is a is a Miami native. He played at Miami, you know. He right after their really great run, he wasn't there during their great run, uh, but after their great run, and and uh, you know he he's done some really impressive things there, uh, recruiting wise early on. You know, I think he'll get them back. You know, will they get them back to national prominence? I don't know, but it's good because now some of those Florida kids that were going to Bama might stay and go to Miami. I think that's a program. Notre Dame is one, obviously, we talked about. I think USC is one. Uh, they are. Look, USC being being a powerhouse, it, just think of the impact of all the California kids sure. that are going to Bama and Ohio State and some of these other schools that would have stayed in California and gone to USC. 
And, and so I think that's Texas is another one, Texas right? Is Texas being good. And, and I'll, I mean, a team that needs to stay a powerhouse is Ohio State. I mean, sure. if Ohio State falters, let's say Ryan Day's not the coach. Let's say Ryan Day's Larry Coker, right? And 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 he gets exposed this year. And I don't think that's going to happen. I'm making a hypothetical. And, and, and they, they let's say they lose to Notre Dame and, and Michigan beats them again and Penn State beats them. And all of a sudden you're like, they're not the team we thought they were, right? Like, and, and he's not able to win the way Urban did. He can't ride Urban's coattail. I'm just, again, I'm throwing out hypotheticals. Sure. That hurts college football because Ohio State's one of the few programs that's been able to beat Bama on a recruiting trail. So they not only do they need USC and Miami because that's the key. It's not just about Miami and USC and Texas stepping up. If those three step up at the expense of Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State going down, then Bama's still Bama, right? It need, Georgia needs to stay what they're keep doing what they're doing. Uh, Ohio State needs to keep doing what they're doing. Clemson needs to keep doing what they're doing. And then Notre Dame, USC, Texas, at least one or two of the Florida schools all need to rise up, in my opinion. And I'll say there's there, a, a third Northern team needs to become a force as well, whether it's Penn State or Michigan, I don't care. And then another team I'd like to see, Vince, and this is more nostalgia than anything, I would like to see one of Oklahoma or Nebraska be very good. Hmm. And I'd prefer Nebraska at this point in time simply because – Oklahoma's joining the SEC, and I don't think they they don't I don't think they need to Oklahoma and Texas both. I think if the Big Ten can get back to having yet another truly elite program, because then Oklahoma, if Nebraska got good again, they would get some of those Texas kids that are going to sure. Bam and other places, right? Like if they were a powerhouse again, they would get some of those Texas kids. They would get some of those California kids, because there's this school in Lincoln, Nebraska that's a lot closer to fly to than all the way down to Tuscaloosa. Or yeah. Athens, you know what I mean? Or over to Columbus. So I think that's another one. But they would be at the bottom of my list because I don't think they could wield the same power now that they wielded back then for a, a host of reasons, including the fact that junior colleges aren't as prominent now as they were back then. You're just not you don't see as many big time JUCO kids. But honestly, right now, Bama pretty much cleans up on the best JUCO kids. So yeah, they do. You know, would, would Nebraska be able to take a couple of those? It's an interesting question. Yeah, absolutely. I love good questions like that, by the yeah. way. Those are so much fun. That was a really good one. That was a really good one. 